Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Moving along to the last point that Kim had, or the last question she had. Um, basically, she's she's talking about, will the Bruins hold it against Matt Patra um, if he's not producing uh, as much as some of the higher end rookies this year that will be in the Calder race. And she, she talks about maybe um, usage being a reason for a lack of production for him. He's still producing with 12 points, but um, will the Bruins, will, will the Bruins in-game management of Matt Potter that could potentially lead to a lack of production and opportunity? Will that lack of opportunity and production be held against Potter, even though it's the Bruins that are kind of in charge of that? Um, I guess I'll give a quick I, no. I don't think so. I, like, I don't think the Bruins are concerned at all about Matt Potter winning the Calder or, you know, uh, outscoring Connor Bedard or, or uh, Leo Carlson or F- Adam Fantilli in Columbus. I think they're just focused on his his two way development. Yeah, the the goal for Matt Potter isn't to the the goal that the Bruins are setting for him isn't to compete for the Calder or put up as many points as possible or any it's it's to help the Bruins win in whatever role he's in. And he's on a team that is tied for the best record in the NHL. He's playing around 14 minutes a game. Those other guys are on rebuilding teams and that can hand them 17, 18, 19 minutes. No problem. Like it's just, it's just a totally different situation. Uh, Obviously if you're, if you're one of those guys, you're playing with their best wingers you're playing those minutes, like you're going to put up points. And, you know, I mean, let's just be honest, like Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson are more just purely talented than Matt Potter anyways. So no, it's, there's no reason to like compare him to those guys. 
uh, all the Bruins need from Patra is to be the best he can be in the role that he's playing, which right now is is third line center. <laughs> I think though Scott in the preseason, or I think it was before the season started, didn't you bring up one? Uh, could could he be in the Calder race? <laughs> I think it was after his great preseason. Pot like Potra put up a bunch of goals, and you're like, mm, I don't know, Calder. <laughs> I don't think I said that. I don't think I ever thought. Uh, I think Connor it was. Bedard. I think it was mostly sarcastic. Okay. But <laughs> Maybe, yeah, I might have joked about it, but yeah. yeah, yeah, because I think I said something about like his scoring, and he his shot percentage was like over 50% or something. It was like 75% or something like that. And you're like, yeah, he's going to win the call there. <laughs> let's, uh, let's take a quick, quick break from the, uh, the, 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 the mailbag questions, which are primarily on Patra. Um, real quick, little detour. Kim also said, PS Scott's article on Beecher Patra was fantastic. I think you need to do a follow-up once they get that air fryer. Scott, I want to, ask you in general um was there a main takeaway from your sit down with those players uh in your feature article that is worth bringing up right now that maybe something you learned about them or something that listeners would that haven't had a chance to read your your wonderful writing um that's worth mentioning well first off thank you to kim and brian and anyone else who said nice things about it bridget ripped it to shreds bridget said it was awful i, <laughs> I said you can do better scott this is not your finest no, i'm just kidding <laughs> uh, um yeah i mean i i think what you realize like when you talk to them about stuff like moving into a north end apartment is just like all the off-ice stuff that goes along with being a rookie that like you just don't think about where they're like because of the schedule like they legitimately in three weeks of living in that apartment had not yet had a chance just to make like an afternoon trip down to Providence to move stuff out of the storage unit. And like, when I was talking to Patra about that, he was like, yeah, because it's not just like getting down there, but then the building they're in, he was like, we're on the fourth floor and there's no elevator. So we have to like coordinate with the landlord. Cause we're going to be clogging up the stair. And it's like, you know, like common issues that we, any of us have dealt with when you move, like, moving is a pain in the ass obviously um but it's like it, it just humanizes it a little bit where you're like oh yeah like their life isn't actually 100 hockey and they even kind of said that where it's like they'll go home and you know for like a few minutes they might reflect on stuff that happened that day and kind of compare notes or their conversations with either teammates or coaches or whatever and like, then they try to disconnect. Like, then they tried not to talk about hockey all night. So, um, you know, I, I think just not so much that I learned that, but just like a reminder that, you know, especially in Padres' case, like he's a 19 year old kid living really on his own for the first time because even in juniors, you have a billet family. So, um, yeah, just that like there's, there's all the honest stuff, which is like, that's enough to keep you busy for a rookie in the NHL. And then there's also just like, they also still have off ice real world things to deal with. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just assume that the team takes care of stuff and like more than they do. And it's like, I, no, I mean, the, they, team, the team certainly does help a lot. Like yeah, they help so, them find the apartment and all that, but yeah, but like, they're not paying for them or like, they're not helping them move in. <laughs> like they're not, they're not cooking for them when they're at home. Uh, they have to cook themselves. And Potra mentioned to us 
Um, Scott and I had a feature with Patra before the season, a, a special episode of the Skate Pod, where we asked him about cooking, and he said, no, he doesn't know how to cook at all. So, And uh, like Brian mentioned, they're going to have to try to figure out how to use an air fryer because that's really what they got uh, working in this apartment. But this is well, also, They don't even have it yet. They still have to get it. Yeah, so. they still got to get that from Providence and uh, beat the traffic because we all know <laughs> that is. Have fun driving a, a moving truck through the North End, by the way. You can't, don't well, take Starro. Guys, don't try to take Starro. I seen last year a uh, a moving truck lost the whole top of the truck because it got stuck in the bridge. Yeah, I mean, that, that happens like every September 1st. Someone yeah. someone moving into a college does does not get wait, that is, Wait, is that, is, that, is that PC's mascot, the Providence Air Fryers? Is that, is that what you call <laughs> Oh, God. I wish that was their mascot. The I was mascot keeps me the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, it would be it would definitely be less creepy than Dom. But... Uh, yeah, and it probably smell like fried chicken. It'd probably be good, but um. <laughs> also, like I... apparently, a major bridge just shut down in Providence um, on Monday morning. A bridge what? that I drove over that I drove over Sunday night. So that made me feel great. Wait, boy, damn it! I'm gonna have to off the podcast. Figure out, ask you where that was because I work at Providence College. So. I I don't think you'll be affected. It's like heading out of providence south like mm. towards seaconk i think that's where I, it's right near where i live so. oh, well maybe you will be affected. <laughs> yeah yeah um, anyway uh, one last thing about the yeah. like the kind of humanizing of uh you know what what they told you and like the real life stuff this is also something to keep in mind at the trade deadline because a lot of the guys are trying to find new like like they're living in hotels they're trying to find new apartments they don't know if, if they're like quote unquote like a rental they might not even bother to try to find an apartment. They might even they'll be without their family. Like there's a lot that goes into both like rookies trying to figure it out. And also with guys like Mason Lori, who I assume lives in Providence or near Providence and comes up and he's like on extended call-ups. And I believe he's staying in a hotel in Boston. So like the, the living situation is, it kind of gets weird with some of those guys that are either up and down or new to the team mm. and trying to just figure it out. So speaking of Patra and, and Johnny Beecher question from Liz, she says, uh, assuming the bees make the playoffs, I'm worried that Patra and Beecher aren't getting enough experience slash opportunities or the experience slash opportunities they need now to be effective for a playoff run. I get the need to watch, learn, etc., but nothing beats being thrown into situations to learn. Do you all think Monty should be giving them that late game experience now so they will be ready to go for the playoffs? I don't want them to have on-the-job training in playoffs. Um, Scott, you've kind of touched on this a little bit in the past. If it's a few months from now and or not, then you'll you'll raise your eyebrows. But I think until then, like it'll just be a gradual learning experience. I don't, I don't think the Bruins want to get to the playoffs without these guys playing in all situations at all parts of the game. I think it's just a matter of when they're going to get those, those looks. And I think, you know, they are here and there, but I'll let you guys answer Liz's one of Liz's questions. Yeah. I mean, Be Beecher has definitely been used in some of those situations, maybe not every single time, but we, we've seen him late in games. We've seen him take big defensive zone face-offs late. Um, you know, obviously he kills penalties. So he has that, experience like especially like late game extra attacker situation of defending while down a man um 
you know, and part of that is Beecher has a full pro season under his belt down in Providence last year and learned a lot about the way the Bruins want to play because the Providence Bruins play the same system and they drill in all the same stuff that they're teaching players. So when you have experience in Providence and then you come up, the not there's still a big transition, don't get me wrong, but you at least know the way the Boston Bruins want to play because you've been doing it. Patra, it's so different because he came from the Guelph Storm, who do not play the way the Boston Bruins play and don't don't even play the same type of defense. Like they play man-on-man rather than zone. So it's a huge adjustment for him. And yeah, like Brian said, like if, you know, if it's February, March, and they're still not using Potter in those situations, I'd, I'd be a little more concerned and be like, hey, like you got to get him in there at some point, you know, um, you, you know, because in playoffs, like there's going to be tough situations no matter what. And um, yeah, you can't just throw him into it then. But for right now, I think he's still learning so much that I'm fine with it being a gradual build. And I, I want to push this forward just a little bit because of the current center situation and ask, I, I mean, we know that Zaka and McAvoy are both ruled out for Wednesday's game. We don't, we don't have an update on the, like, is it day to day? Is it week to week? We don't have that right now, but well, the, the, they are, they're considered day to day. That's what Montgomery said. Okay. I should say, we don't know if that, if it's going to continue to last through X number of games. Because day-to-day can mean tomorrow they're feeling better. or And McAvoy did skate on his own. Um, Zaka didn't, though, right? No, Zaka wasn't on the ice at all on Tuesday. Okay, so just to push the Patra like, usage and put it into the current situation with centers, do you think that his usage changes now that Zaka is not? going to be in Wednesday and potentially we don't know how many games he's not going to be in. But I think if we had had this conversation earlier in the season, we would have been talking about, Oh yeah. Put Patra in, you know, in Zaka's spot kind of feels like that's not what's going to happen at at this point in the season. I I feel like we would have been like, Oh yeah, put him with Pasternak, put him with, you know, and it just doesn't feel like that's really where things are going. Passion drive and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, it certainly, at least not to start, um, it's going to be Morgan Geeky with centering Pasenak and DeBrusque to start. And um, Montgomery talked a little bit about that, and I have something on it posting on Wednesday morning on WEI.com. But basically where this comes from is that you know, on Saturday, 
obviously Montgomery made the choice to trust Geeky at center more than Patra, and he got more minutes over, obviously in the third period, but even in the second. And when Montgomery went down three lines, obviously he liked it, what he was seeing between Geeky and Pasternak because they ended up together for basically the entire second half of the game. They and, scored a goal. Yeah, and the results were really encouraging. They they scored a goal, and when they were on the ice, the Bruins out-attempted the Coyotes 11-3 and had a 7-2 advantage in scoring chances. So there's enough there to say, okay, that looks pretty good. Let, let's at least go with it to start the game and either continues to work and that's great and then everything else kind of falls into place. Or if it doesn't work, you could see Patrick get bumped up to that spot. So I know, you know, I know a lot of fans are would be much more excited about seeing Patra there, but when the geeky Pasnak, you know, pairing works so well on Saturday, like it's at least worth taking a look to see if that can be replicated because you're also still finding out what you have in Morgan Geeky. Like he's mostly played in the bottom six this season and he's going to need some, um, some minutes with, you know, higher level players to see, obviously you're not expecting him to be your number one or even number two center for any sort of long haul, but in a pinch, can he play there? Is that an option? And like, that's, kind of what this is a, a perfect situation to find out. Uh, so let's get to a couple more quick questions. Oh, wait, I did want to, I did have one little follow-up on that. Mm-hmm. And yep. that was just to mention what the practice lines were sure. without Zaka. Um, and so you mentioned Dabrowski, Kiposternak, but they also move Coyle with Marshawn and Frederick. So they're breaking up that line that has looked good with Van Riemsdyk um Coyle and Frederick which I think is an interesting choice and it's Van Riemsdyk Patra Heinen was how they practiced on Tuesday so that should be I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that usage of Patra there um I know we know he's played with Heinen a bit but Van Riemsdyk you got a very short sample size with and also that the complicating factor is that you break up the the Van Riemsdyk Coyle Frederick line which has gone a little bit quiet recently so I guess that's something that's important to point out. Did they score a goal against uh, – Coyle scored last game against Arizona, right? Yeah, Coyle did. Frederick took a turnover, passed it right out in front of him, and, and he poked it in. So, like, yes, in in certain stretches, they haven't looked as dominant, though, over the past sure. few games. Yeah. Um, I mean, I talked about it last episode. I, I've liked Heinen's play. Um He's Scott mentioned it a couple episodes ago. Like he has X amount of points on the season, but like 90% of them have been like the last bundle of games. Um, so he's kind of, he's kind of one of the forwards that's been feeling it. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe he and Patrick can kind of be better off than Patrick and DeBrusque. Um, so I guess we'll see. I mean, I don't, these, anytime there's makeshift lines due to injury or whatnot, it's, it's just kind of like, it, it's it's you're just putting a bandaid on something so i don't really read too much into it um i don't have a i don't have any issue one way or the other with it i'm just kind of curious to see how how it looks yeah and i also think like you're as i kind of mentioned with geeky and patra you're there's sort of multiple places in this lineup where if something's not working you're like one simple switch away and another one of those would be like 
if Martian Coyle Frederick doesn't look great, you're one switch away from Van Riemsdyk goes back to that line that we know works with Coyle and Frederick. And then you get Martian Patra Heinen, which they used against San Jose and it was pretty good. So like that, that's a fairly easy switch to make too. Um, you know, I think you start, I think the reason you start with Martian and Coyle together is that's, that's more of a true top six line that you can throw out in any situation, can handle tough matchups. Whereas if it's, you know, Marshan Patra, maybe you're still trying to shelter Patra a little bit. And this kind of takes that away where Marshan Coyle can handle whatever and you don't have to worry about them. So uh, two quick questions left from Liz, one from Scott, and then we'll kind of wrap things up here. Um, I'm going to paraphrase this one from Liz, but with Patra and Beecher in mind, she's pretty much asking, barring any uh, skill setback in rookies, uh, is it typical for them to make the team the following year, i.e. their sophomore season? Um, pretty pretty quick answer here. Um, I'll give mine. You guys can elaborate. Uh, I mean, typically, yes, they'll make, they will again make the team the following season, uh, number one, because – the, the older you get in the league, the more experience you have and, and the more that your um, your ceiling increases and you're also on your rookie uh, your rookie contracts, which are uh, cheaper, more affordable for NHL teams. So if you're somebody who is contributing to the team as a rookie um, in, in a larger sample size uh, and there's no setback in skill, like there's really no incentive to, you know, demote them or, get rid of them or replace them um, depending on who we're talking about. But I think typically, yes, you will see them return for their following season. Yeah. Because obviously the, the hope is that, you know, Hey, if they're good enough to stick this year's rookies, you expect them to then grow and get even better during the course of the off season. Um, so yeah, even, even if it's just in the same roles, like Patra is a third line center um, Beecher is a fourth line center looks like that can be really solid for you. And especially in Patra's case, we think there's upside for him to be even more than that at some point, whether it's next year or, you know, year after whenever it happens. But um, yeah, you do occasionally see situations where, you know, someone gets a, a full season, but then ends up back down. But I kind of feel like that happens more where like maybe a team's, rebuilding or they're not really going for it and someone gets some run and then you know the next year maybe the team's going for it more and sign some free agents and someone gets bumped out but um in the Bruins case like these guys have cracked the lineup and are on the team in a really good season when they're winning games and near the top of the standings so it would it would be pretty surprising and disappointing like if one or both of them didn't make it out of camp next year. And I don't think they've shown any reason why they wouldn't um, after their seasons so far. Obviously we're not, <laughs> there's a lot of time left to see, but in, in terms of the actual cap hit that they bring, they're automatically in higher consideration because these guys are both making, uh, I know Patra, he, this is his first year of a three-year contract and um, his cap hits less than a million dollars in the first three years. So um, that makes it easy. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's a cap issue and it's not, 
from what we've seen, it's not like he is not an HL caliber. So I, I think that a combination of all of that stuff means it is very unlikely that for whatever reason he goes down. And, and I don't know if maybe the question was more about Beecher. I still don't think he's done enough to, to warrant being sent down. In fact, he's kind of carved out a role, a little bit of penalty killing time and is trusted defensively. So I don't see it happening here. And I think one of the other parts of someone else's question, Brian, maybe you were just about to bring this up was sending someone mentioned sending him to juniors and then back to Guelph. Like, is that a possibility? Um, it, which is kind of along the same lines. Um, I think we've talked about this a tiny bit, but I guess Brian to you first, hmm. does that make sense for the Bruins in any way? Or Patra, I guess. Does it make sense? I don't. For him? I don't think so. I mean, as as you saw against Buffalo, like, you know, it's not that Matt Patra is their savior, but like he's definitely he brings an element that you you don't see in a lot of the forwards on the Bruins, and I I don't think the Bruins are in a position to to rid of of that skill and creativity. It's it, it's such a young age and such a promising age, and not, and but look, if if Patra is out there turning the puck over left and right and just like a total defensive liability and just like totally out of place that's one thing he's not I mean he's you know he, he he's very much a part of this team everybody is making mistakes and um and he's no different but he's also helping the team in in, in areas that others aren't so I don't see why the Bruins would uh, especially in the, the the position they're in where they they're not in a position to to, to rid of any offense at all yeah, yeah I mean I think being can I read the question just to be clear it was from Liz said I saw a few people after the benching in Arizona and the third say that Patra needs to play in the world juniors for Canada and then go back to Guelph for the rest of the season. Do you think the Bruins would do that? Or is he locked in for the season? Was the question from Liz. No, I mean, I, I think he's pretty world juniors is one thing. I think sending him back to Guelph is like totally off the table. I can't possibly imagine that. Um, it, I, I don't think world juniors makes sense either though. And we kind of touched on this a little bit, but to me, like, unless he was, like, really struggling and in and out of the lineup because of his play, like, if he was only playing half the games or something, I'd say maybe. Um, but in my mind, being a third liner on a top NHL team is way more valuable to him and for his development than being a first or second liner on, you know, what very well could be a gold medal team. But, like, great. Okay, he's he can go score against 18 and 19 year olds. I, I think we already knew that. Like he was one of the top scorers in the OHL last season. So, you know, like maybe you get some confidence from seeing the puck going more, but I don't really see how that's more valuable for his development than what he's doing here. And I also don't think he would want to do that. I don't think, no, I mean, I know it, it's important for some guys to play for their country. And like a lot of times people talk about that as valuable experience, but most of the times when you're talking about that valuable experience in juniors, you're talking about guys who are too young to play in the NHL. Like you're talking about before they're called up, you're not talking about guys leaving during the middle of the season. Like a lot of guys have fond memories of it. If you hear other players talk about playing for their country in world juniors, it's because they did that when they're in college or they did that, you know, when they were in juniors, not when they were in the NHL. A couple of quick ones here. Um, guys think back to, to when Harry Potter and the prisoner of Azkaban came out, think back to Aaron Boone walking off against the Red Sox. Think back to Patrice Bergeron's rookie year. Are there any similarities to how the Bruins are using Bergeron or Matt Patra um, 
to Patrice Bergeron's rookie season, how they used him as a rookie. And it was a long time ago, Bridget. I think was that the there. same? Was that all the same year? Yeah, it, same, same, same. Twelve months, yeah. Give or take, the you know, 0304. So you and I were picking our nose in middle school, and Scott was probably upper right middle down. school. I mean, uh, elementary school, and Scott was probably in fifth grade or something. But um, I would have been, let's see, 0304 was my freshman year of high school. Was it? Yep. No, it wasn't. You're lying. No, yeah. it wasn't. I graduated high school 07. So, yeah. I was seven. <laughs> because I, I, I remember I remember how depressed we all were the day after the Aaron Boone home run. I was like, no, no one was learning anything. Like amazingly, everyone went to school, but no one was learning anything. Like, oh shit. I let me tell you right now, I don't remember that home run. <laughs> I was not watching. Uh, um, well, Scott, okay, so do you I mean obviously you think back to Bergeron's rookie year, you I, I remember him like being uh with um, not William, uh, Michael Nylander and and um, was it Ser- Sergei Samsonov in the playoffs against the Canadians? Uh, a couple overtime goals. I don't, I can't recall how they use him throughout the first 82 games of that season, but I do think he was more or less like a a regular middle six forward for them. Yeah, he he definitely was. I think there was some easing in. He they even used him on wing a little bit. Um, Early on, I don't remember like, exactly how long that lasted, but um, yeah, I mean, and, like if you look at his ice time, I mean, he got more that season than Potter did. He ended up over 16 minutes a game. Um, you know, right right now, Potter's a little over 14, but I'm sure that built up for Bergeron. I doubt he was, you know, I don't think he was over 16 like right off the bat. So. Um, and he also didn't play, he didn't play every game. He missed 11 games. I don't know. I don't remember if there's an injury. I do know like he was rested at least a couple times. I don't know if that was accounted for all 11. So, um, you know, some similarities, but like, also it's just, it's a tough comparison because, you know, Patrice Bergeron's a hall of famer and like, you can't, it's not reasonable to really expect any rookie to walk in and make the impact that Bergeron did. Um, But yeah, like at least in the sense that Bergeron wasn't yet what he became, obviously sure. Like there was, there was some easing in and learning that had to happen. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.